0: Well, if you want to am 'em we'll be in the book of James again tonight, very briefly we'll in the book of James, chapter two. Um I will say thank you again uh so much for all of your hard work and all of your efforts today. Matter of fact, not just today, but all weekend. I, I think some of you matter of fact now think about it, I think y'all got on the same clothes y'all had on Thursday. Um I I believe I believe a few of you may not ever went home. I, uh, all of you that stayed and finished loading out that truck was like 1.30 Friday night, Saturday morning, whatever you want to call that, and back in here about daylight to, to pack one in on Saturday morning and, and then pack them out last night, and I know a lot of you have poured your, your heart into serving the Lord, and I I fully understand that everything you've done, you've done for the glory of God, but I want you to know I appreciate it, and and I believe that there are rewards in store for you. I, I believe that God is is going to do some some things to richly bless some people. I, I know it's been a busy week and a busy weekend, and once again, I'm going to be uh, very brief in the evening. Um, I appreciate all of you being at work and all of the play practice and all your hard work. And I know some of you are absolutely exhausted. And I, I can look and see that some were exhausted, so they didn't come back tonight. And maybe even left, went home after play practice, and I'm I'm not casting a rock right there. Uh, in the least. Uh, I get it. I, I do. There's such a thing as wore out, and there ain't nothing wrong with getting some rest, but some of you came in here tonight as tired as you are, as wore out as you are, with all that you've poured into it, and it's my prayer that God would give you something tonight just to reward you for being here. Amen? Amen. Um, In Galatians, Chapter 6, and I know I said we're going to be in James, and we are, so don't don't lose faith in me. But in Galatians chapter 6, Paul told us there in verse number 8, he said, For he that soweth to his flesh shall reap of the flesh corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall reap of the Spirit life everlasting. Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap. If we faint not, that tells me that we're gonna be weary. That tells me a time when we're gonna be tired, and there's gonna be a time when we're gonna be wore out. There's gonna be some time when we are weary, but you can't let that be a reason to quit. There's no sin in being weary, there's no sin in being tired. The sin is quitting when you're tired, the sin is giving up because we're weary. We have been praying. I'll, I'll give you a little encouragement. And I'm going to get in the book of James. I mentioned it this morning, but I'm going to mention it again tonight. One reason I'm going to mention it because I want you praying this week. Um, I was in some meetings this week, and, and crazy enough, some of them were mine. Some of them were set up for mine. Some of them was people I set up to meet with. But one of them I heard about kind of at the last minute, and actually Jeanette was there. Um, I, I, I'll just, I, just, I was very encouraged by that meeting. Monday, Did, are you the, would you agree with that? I was very encouraged by, by what I saw, by the number of people in the community that, that was there, the, the power of some of the people of the community that was there, and, and I, I told some of them later, and I, and I think I mentioned this morning, but we have been praying for God to change this community with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, and, and, I, and I felt like I saw the first bud pop out on that tree Uh, I felt like I see a tree that is preparing to reach full bloom and I don't know if it'll take five years or 55 years for that tree to bloom but I do feel like I saw a start of that and I was encouraged and excited I've got a few meetings this week with with uh, planning development the downtown development authorities with Sweetland Amphitheater with some people to potentially sponsor some things that I'm trying to do in the community um I just want you to be in prayer I want you to be in prayer and I don't want any of us to, to grow weary in well doing. A war is a war. War don't have time out. There's never been a war fought that had time out. It's not like football, somebody gets hurt on the field, gets hurt on the field, It's time out until we get the injured up. The war goes on. The injured is on the field, they lay on the field, it goes on, that the the ones that are wounded and killed on the field stay on the field, but the war continues. And we're in a war, but it's a spiritual warfare. And greater is he that is in us. Amen? Amen. Be not weary in well-doing. My text this evening, though, is James chapter 2. I'm going to read from verse 14 down to verse 26. And I've got a really good outline for a really long sermon, but I'm not going to preach that. We're just going to focus on one verse. Verse number 14, James chapter 2. What if it profit, my brother, though a man say he hath faith? And have not works, can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked or destitute of daily food, and you say unto them, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding you give them not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? Even so, if faith has not works, faith, if it hath not works, is dead being alone. You you might want, I don't have time to back up and preach that one. You might want to underline that one and, and study that text. Verse number 18, yea, a man say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, I'll show thee my faith by my works. Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Seeest thou how faith wrought his works, and works was by faith made perfect? The scripture was fulfilled which saith Abraham believed God and it was imputed unto him for righteousness and he was called the friend of God. You see how that by works a man is justified and not by faith only. Likewise also was not the Rahab the harlot justified by works when she had received the messengers and sent them out another way. In verse number 26, I'm going to spend just a few minutes and, and look at this one. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works. Is dead also. God, I thank you so much for this book. God, I thank you for this letter you wrote to us. God, I thank you for these, your people, God. Lord, I pray right now, God, they poured out their heart, they poured out their spirit, they poured out their sweat and tears, they poured out their life, they've celebrated, they've worshiped God, they've given everything that they have this week, God, for you. Father, it's been for your glory and for your honor. We've seen souls added to the kingdom. We've seen Christians' lives changed. We've seen people called to the front. God, I thank you so much for the work, for the effort. I pray right now, God, would you bless these, your people. God, I pray you'd abundantly pour out blessings would you open the windows of heaven, God. Lord, I pray you'd richly bless each and every one as they've sown into your kingdom, God. I pray you'd sow back into them right now, God. I pray you'd give them strength and encouragement, God. I pray, Lord, as we approach this he's alive season, God, and another busy weekend ahead of us, God. I pray, Father, would you pour back into these, give strength and power and energy, God, and a fullness and a renewedness, God, that we might go forward to serve you with a pure and a clean heart and an open and an energetic heart, God. Lord, I pray you'd bless them, Father. I pray you'd teach us something from your word. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. There is a there's always been a controversy surrounding these passages among the church. The argument is over the nature of the salvation. If you look at doctrines and things in churches, the biggest argument is over the doctrine of the salvation and and what does it take to, to get you saved but the biggest argument is what does it take to keep you saved one group tends to navigate towards what many refer to as easy believism while another group tends to push and say that works is a necessary component for salvation well easy believism is those who say hey all you gotta do is say a prayer and you're saved now I'm not arguing the power of the prayer. Now, I'm not denying that the prayer is necessary, but I'm denying, or I am saying that it takes more than a prayer of the lips to change a soul. It takes more than the words of a mouth to change a heart and to change a life. I told y'all last year before Judgment Journey, I'm a little nervous, going into Judgment Journey, to make sure that we get it right at that conversion tent. I'm a little nervous. I don't want to stand before God having deceived anyone or left anyone feeling like, hey, I said a prayer on my lips. I should have been saved. Why am I going to hell? I don't want to be able to look back towards Faith Baptist Church. I don't want them to stand before God at judgment and point back to the day, hey, I was there and I said a prayer that day. I want us to be very careful that we put the fullness of the Word out there. And I believe with all my heart that the prayer is necessary. But I believe the prayer has got to come from the heart. And I believe if the prayer comes from the heart, then the prayer will change the heart. I believe if it comes from the lips, then it's no different than anything else that comes from the lips. It's just words of the mouth that doesn't really carry a weight. But I'm a firm believer. I'm a firm believer that if there's no change on the outside, there can't be a change on the inside. Because I believe with the fullness of heart that the Holy Spirit absolutely will not move into a dirty vessel and live in it and leave it the same way. I refuse to believe that he'll move into a filthy vessel and not clean it up. He'll go to work on it and change it. And I believe if the lip speaks from the heart, then the Holy Spirit will begin to change the life, and you'll see a newness. I don't think you get to just mouth a few little words and roll right on into heaven and live like hell from now until then. I believe there ought to be a change. But you have those. Hey, if you just say this little prayer with me real quick, you're on your way to heaven. Be careful. Be careful. Be careful of leading false deception. It is the power of the Word of God, and there's no doubt confession of the lips is necessary. But there has to be a movement of the heart. And they must be drawn of the Holy Spirit. We know that in there. But then you got the others that go to the other extreme. As you all know, I've told you many times, I grew up in a Pentecostal church. And here's what they tell you, and, and I've, I've had this argument back with them now that, that I understand the word of God more clearly, and I tell them, listen, that's not what we say. That's exactly what you say. You say that you're saved by grace alone, but only your works can keep you saved. That's what they say. You say it any way you want. But what they're saying is you get saved, you get born again, you get washed in the blood of the Lamb of God, you can be saved. But if you backslide, if you get back into sin, if you fall back, then you lose your salvation, you'll die and go to hell. That's saying that the blood of Jesus is weak and can't be can't be trusted that's saying that the blood of jesus that can wash away my sins isn't strong enough to keep my sins off that's saying that the blood of jesus can be washed off and my sins can be seen again and i refuse to believe that the blood is that weak I believe in the power of God. I believe in the power of blood. And I believe that when the power of the blood of Jesus Christ washes away our sins, they're washed away forever. Yes, I believe we sin again. Yes, I believe we make mistakes again. I believe God is graceful from the day we're born to the day we die. He's graceful through everything that we do. But they believe that you can be saved and then you can be lost. All that's saying is that the works... It's what keeps us saved. It's grace that gets you saved. It's grace that will keep you saved. And there is nothing else. There is no way that works. It's not works. It's not baptism. It's not any other thing that gives security to our salvation. My security is in the same thing that got me here. It's in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's in the power of the resurrection. So this conflict between... Faith and works, we can see from this letter, it's as old as the church itself. James, here in this second chapter, we find the roots of the argument, especially in verse 26, that faith without works is dead. All through the scriptures, the emphasis on the fact that salvation is by grace and grace alone, and it comes only through the precious blood of Jesus Christ, not by works. Paul said in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. But the Bible is also very clear throughout the Scriptures that true faith is always accompanied by fruit. And fruit produces good works. There in our text that we read in verses 14 through 17, James reveals that faith without fruit is a false faith. He tells us there in verse 18 and 19 that faith without fruit is a futile faith. And then he tells us there in verses 20 through 26 that that faith without fruit is a fatal faith. Now, James is not talking about faith with works. He's talking about a faith that works. And there's an eternity's worth of difference in between the two. A faith that works, a faith that works is what you've been doing all weekend. A faith that, that works is what you've been doing all day. A faith that works is what you do when you go out and you tell people about Jesus Christ. A faith that works is what you do when you pour your heart and your soul into the church of the living God so that others might come to know Christ as a personal Lord and Savior. A, A faith that works is one that comes here and practices and practices and practices so that we make the show complete. Make no mistakes about it. He's alive as a show, just like judgment journey is a show. It is a show about the passion. It is a show about Jesus Christ. It is a show about the life of Christ. And if the show's not good, the people won't come. They come because two reasons. One, the show is good, because you put into it, but mainly because of the power of the Holy Spirit of God. Because you come here every Sunday, you pour everything you've got into your practice. You do your best. You try to learn your lines. You try to remember your cues. Paul works on music continually. Change and working. Singers coming here and practice, coming here late at night, pouring everything you can into your work. But not a person in that play doesn't come here that they don't pray before they come. God, help me to be pleasing to you today. We pray before we come to church. God, help me to be pleasing to you today. We pray before we go out the doors. God, help me to walk out of those doors and live a life pleasing to you today. And it's a culmination of the power of the Holy Spirit of God. When all of our prayers come together and he's alive, that the Holy Spirit is poured out on this place. But that is, that is your works because... Of your faith. You're pouring everything you've got. Into this church. Because you know the power of God. That works through the local church. That works through the book. Now that's a really good outline for a really long message. But I'm not going to do that. We, we just, we're just going to start right here at the end. On the surface when, when you read those. It looks like the letters of Paul. And the letters of James are in opposition to each other. As a matter of fact, y'all, I don't know how else, and y'all get debate. People love to debate if they oppose the Bible. They they, try, yeah, yeah. they love to try to prove that they're right and you're wrong. Right. But I got news for you. You can try to prove all you want. All I can tell you is there's a heaven waiting on me, and there's a hell waiting on those on the other side of the fence. And if you got any sense at all, you better listen to what I'm trying to tell you. There will be no atheist in hell. They ain't nothing but believers on the top. They ain't nothing but believers on the bottom. Everybody's a believer when they leave. It all determined by whether you're a believer or not before you left. You, so so those that are opponents of the Bible, they will try to use things like this. And they'll try to say that, that well, that's two men they're saying opposite things. One's saying one's one saying the other. Well, that that's not true. That's because they're of the world. And those that are of the world can't understand godly things. Those that are of the world don't have the Holy Spirit. They don't have the explaining. They don't have the drawing. They don't have any of the fullness of God. So they're trying to read godly things and make sense out of it with a worldly mind. And it's not going to happen. Until they're willing to surrender their own foolishness and understand that the word of God is perfect in every way. But if they put a little study into it. And if they had the Holy Spirit to help them, they would understand that the fact is that they're saying the exact same thing. They're in complete support of each other. They just come at it from a different angle because they're writing to two different audiences. They're speaking to two different people facing two different problems, but both of those people are involved in the local church. Verse number 21 James says, was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? So those who are proponents of, of, of the saved by works, I say, see, see, there it is right there. He was saved by his works. Yet Paul says in Romans chapter 4, verse 2 and 3, if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof the glory, but not before God. For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God. It was counted unto him for righteousness. In reality, they don't contradict each other, they complement each other. Paul is writing to the ones who have been conformed to the religion of the Jew, the ones who said, You have to add works to your faith if you want to be saved. James, you on the other hand, he, he's writing to those who claim that, that you have to have faith, but they had no fruits. He says, You claim to have faith, you claim to be living something, but, but you have no fruits. I see. No evidence in it. I don't, I don't see anything in your lifestyle that says you have any faith at all. So while Paul is telling them, listen, works has nothing to do with being saved, James is telling them the same thing. Works has nothing to do with being saved. It is the fruit of our salvation. Amen. It is the proof of our salvation. It's what people see in us. So Jesus Christ, when he was preaching the Sermon on the Mount this morning, we looked in chapter 5 at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. At the conclusion in chapter 7... He says in verse number 16, you shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes or thorns or figs, up thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that beareth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits, you shall know them. That's That's what Jesus said. So you're not being judgmental. You're just being a fruit inspector. When when you look at people's lives, you're not being judgmental about how they live their lives. You're simply inspecting their fruit. They claim one thing, but their fruit says something else. They're trying to tell you they're a peach tree, but they got apples on them. Mm -hmm. You, you, You get it? You just look in the Bible. It tells me that you shall shall know them by their fruits. So Paul is consistently teaching that nobody enters the kingdom of God except by faith. It is grace and grace alone. James says in chapter 1, verse number 18, Of his own will begot he us with the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. That means that God, by his choice, chose to give us birth through the word of truth. So that we might be the first fruits. Christ is the first fruit from the grave, but we are as first fruits of his children. Here in this second chapter, James is just reinforcing that good works are simply a natural response to true salvation. How many of you remember when you got saved? How many of you can raise your hand and say, At the moment I got saved, I never said another cuss word. I never thought another bad thought. I never did another bad thing. Never crossed my mind again. I got saved. Everything changed. But it took a little while for the nature to change. I I had some bad fruit. Matter of fact, regardless of what you did before salvation, you had bad fruit. I don't care how good you acted, you had bad fruit because you were of a bad tree. But on the day you were grafted in, the day we were grafted into the family, we had a new root system. And the root began to change things, but it's kind of like the old sap was still in the limb. You know what I mean? We had to grow that old sap on out. And I feel like some of it's still hanging around somewhere in once while it kind of finds its way to the surface. It wouldn't happen near as often if people could drive as good as I can. But drivers and drive-through lines and red lights they have a way of bringing things. But, but the bottom line is we became a work in progress. But the, the deal is we became a work. We, we became different. Things begin to change. All of a sudden, things are going wrong. Things are going bad. You're at work. Hammer hits you in the leg, puts a big old bruise, Hit your hand with a hammer. All of a sudden, those, those words don't come out of your mouth anymore. It takes a little while before they start getting to the tip of your tongue. But eventually, they don't even cross your mind anymore. Because you've understood they didn't solve the problem anyway. They didn't fix anything anyway. All you you get is a, oh, Lord, help me. Lord, that hurt. You're talking language that can actually get you some help. You're using words, but it takes a little while. It's new fruit, so it took a while. I'm just telling you that I believe if the no change began and there was no conviction for your old lifestyle, then nothing on the inside could have changed. The Holy Spirit's a life changer. It's true to begin to put the fruit in us. The works that we do, the works that James is talking about, the works that Paul mentioned, it's not the source of salvation. It's the evidence of salvation. It's not the requirement for salvation, but it's the result of salvation. That's that's why we do what we do. It is Christ working in us and Christ working through us. Ephesians chapter 2, Paul said in verse number 10, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Listen, these guys couldn't be in more perfect harmony. They couldn't possibly be more in line telling us the same thing. Salvation is by grace. It is the grace of God. It is the blood of Jesus Christ. And they're both telling us the exact same thing. Your works will not get you saved. I don't care how hard, how long you work. Your works will not get you saved. They will not keep you saved. They are a result of your salvation. So when I see When I see a church working, like I've seen Faith Baptist for years, in all honesty, but like I've seen people pouring their hearts into the work and getting here early and staying up late and doing without meals and doing without water and just pouring everything in for the glory of God. That's a faith that works. And I believe God can bless that church. I believe God will bless that church. I believe God can answer that church's prayers, and I believe God will answer that church's prayers. I've shared with several people. I haven't shared with the community. i shared with the mayor. i shared with the director of the Downtown Development Authority. I told them all the same thing. I said, a group of men gathered on that hill, and they prayed, and they asked God for a building. Ride by 552 Hammett Road and look at the answer. Look at the buildings. We've got more we can afford to keep up. It's called exceeding abundantly above all that you can ask or think. I said, and some, some of them were shocked. They had no idea that we owned that land back there. I said, we gathered back there and we prayed for land because we needed enough land for judgment journey. We're talking 16, 18 acres. We prayed that God would deliver the land behind the church. I said, we now own over 300 acres of land. That's called exceeding abundantly above all that you could ask or think. Amen. That's simply praying and trusting God to deliver, and he delivers that and so much more. I said, for a few years, our church has been praying, God, will you deliver the heart of Troop County? Will you deliver the heart of LaGrange, Georgia, and the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ? Will you help us to reach this town and change it for the glory of God? And I said, we believe in the fullness of faith that we're going to see exceeding abundantly above. I believe it's going to hit true, Paris, Meriwether, Herd, Valley. I believe it's going to stand. I said... And I told him, I said, we even changed the way we pray recently. We always pray when somebody comes to church here, when somebody when somebody comes to judgment journey, when somebody comes to Heal a lie. we have prayer meetings for everything we do. And we always pray the same, and y'all know it's true. God, will you put a hedge about this campus, God? I pray that your presence would fill this place. I pray that when people turn off that pavement right up there, when they turn on our parking lot, I pray that the power of God touches them. I pray that whatever argument they brought from home goes away. I pray that whatever's hurting them goes away. I pray that the power of God moves on them when they come in this place, that they feel the presence of the Holy Spirit, and that it moves them in a way that they've never felt before. I said, but we've changed all that. We pray now, God, help us to touch this town, that when somebody from the north heading down to Florida drives down Interstate 85, when they go by the LaGrange exit, they go, whoo! What in the world is going on around here? I pray that it causes people to change radio stations, throw throw their left-handed joints out the window,